so how do you stay up to date with, you know, the real estate industry and the trends and the values and what deals are making sense and what, you know, what are you, what are you doing to, to stay educated? I try to get a good night's sleep, which is in this <laughs> environment is not always possible. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Mike Garrity of Real Estate Finance Boston. Mike is a private money lender, formerly referred to as a hard money lender, but he's a private money lender. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you so much. Let's um, let's get into it. What got you into the private lending space? Well, I got into real estate uh, not too far out of college. I graduated from college from Mass Maritime, which is, I think, a great school. I agree. If, you're, if you don't have a ton of money, uh, I was also in the military, so the tuition was free. So it was cheaper for me to go. I was paying for school myself. But the jobs were terrible. They were paying 40000 a year, and uh, I graduated with an environmental science degree. I had to put on a Tyvek suit for 800 bucks a week. God, it sounded terrible. So I went into real estate, started renting apartments, and really wanted to try to work for myself or work hard and try to make a lot of money. It was an easy path to get your broker's license. The barrier, you don't need a college degree. You really don't need much at all. You take a test. It's not too hard to study for it. And I did that, and in 2008, the market crashed, and I got um, into short sales. Really lucky. I just kind of fell. I really was making no money. I was bartending a few nights a week, and I went into short sales because there was really nothing else going on. And I learned how to do or facilitate a short sale in 2008, which really None of the big companies like Keller Williams, they didn't even get into these short sales until probably 2012. So from 2008, and, and I, I, when I got in it, you had, when you called Bank of America, you waited on hold for 30 minutes to speak yeah. to somebody. All and, the and countrywide it was, deals, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was a disaster. Um, but from 2008 to 2012, all the other real estate brokers were all giving me their short sales. Oh, so cool. We were, so I went from not making money to having 50, 60 listings at a time. Wow. And we started a short sale negotiation company. So the bank was paying us 6% as a, as a real estate fee, yep. which we very rarely co-broke. And they, we also made another five to 10 grand as a consultant with a different company. I did that in 2012, it got a little more difficult. In 2014, it got really hard. Saturated. During, right? Saturated. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was actually real work, which I didn't want to do at the time because it was And they were they were cutting back fees and all of that. They were, yeah, we, were we were we were we were on the same journey helping helping folks during that time. So I every penny that I made I invested back into real estate from 8 to 12. Oh, oh really wow. from 8 8 to 14. It 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 it, it I created uh I went into 2008 with a net worth of about negative 750,000 because all my properties oh, really? were under underwater. Uh, wow. But we, I created all this wealth by buying all these properties. I didn't know, but at the time they were really undervalued or at least they would go way up in value over the next 10 or 15 yeah. years. And actually when I decided to get into lending, 
I used, I leveraged all those properties and refinanced and pulled out as much money as I could. Lending, you need some starting capital of your own money. At least it makes it easier if you're going to get into lending. But in 2008 to 12, when I was buying all these properties, I used hard money. And back then, so all these borrowers these days, I say all these borrowers, most of them, they got into the game 2016, 2018, 2020. They started saying, okay, we're going to, we want to get into the flipping, you know, arena. And they're paying eight and a half, nine and a half and two. And then they went to 10, some, then it went to 12. And right now, I think a lot of people are complaining that they're paying 12 and two. Well, in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, we were paying 14 and four. Yeah, and, I and, remember. And we were happy to pay it. There was just, yeah. there was no, there was no money. And it wasn't the, the cost. It was the treatment. The lenders back then, they didn't treat the borrowers well. It was, I attribute a lot to the way you loan got a tax. They were loan sharks. Uh, if you, 10 years ago, if you wanted a, a, a cab in Boston, it was raining out and you try to track down a cab and the cab might stop and, and he would ask you, where are you going? And if you weren't going farther enough and they would say, I'm not going to make enough money off this guy. They would just say, no, don't get in my cab. And they would take the next guy. You yeah. just sit out and wait. And you got in the cab, it stunk, it was dirty. And if you complain, they just stop the cab and say, get out, I'll pick up the next person. Today, you go to call a Uber and they come right to your spot. They give you water, they give you mints, they ask you how you're doing. They bring you to CVS on the way for no extra charge. So when hard money back in 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, it was like the old school cab drivers. Customer service was terrible. So I thought to myself, I can do the same thing. I can lend money. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to give the best customer service I can. We opened up in 2014, really got off the ground in about 2018. And I mean that in a sense, we lent mostly our own money, which wasn't much for about four years. And then in 2018, we learned how to get bank lines and leverage that money. We created a fund. We raised capital. And it was a significant jump. We went from doing 10 or 15 million a year to 50 or 100 million a year in loans. And uh, yeah, and so we've been doing that since. That was a long-winded answer. But who's 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 the typical borrower these days, right? So again, folks, 2023. But you know, who is the who are the folks now who are saying, you know what, I need ease, I need efficiencies, I'll pay the extra extra juice to to not have to deal with a full body exam. Well, I think you have to think on a bigger picture of, uh, of okay. who's buying real estate. So you have um, probably somebody that maybe they're married, they have a really good job, they went to college, they saved money, and they're buying a house. They are as far removed from using us probably as possible. In fact, we don't even do owner-occupied loans. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you have other people that maybe are in the same same boat. They want safe. They're cautious. They may be looking for their first investment property. They want to put a lot of money down. They're probably looking at MLS and they're probably paying retail for the property they're buying. And they're probably buying in a place that they say to themselves, okay, we can put, let's put 35% down to get our debt as low as humanly possible to make sure that we're going to be cash flow positive. Those people are probably not for us. Then you have other they might come to us, but that's not the typical borrower. Then you have other people 
that are saying they might not even own the house. They might not even own a house, but they're and they might own three or four rental properties and they don't even own a house yet where because they're not married or they don't want that debt of a single family home. And they're out and they're saying, okay, uh, I want to acquire a lot of properties in a short period of time, or I found a deal. It's, it's the property's worth 500,000. I can pick it up at 380,000, but I have to close in two weeks. Those, those people that are out, they may not have the best credit. They might they, or may not. They may not have the best taxes and have made the most money in the past few years or have the best job, but they have an ability to go out and find really good real estate deals. Those type of people, and they may need an equity partner. They need speed. They don't want to deal with a bank because their time is very valuable. Their time can be spent creating value by finding these great real estate deals. They value their time. They want to use us because we're fast, because we're easy, because they have surety of execution. Their deal might be a $100,000 deposit. And if they don't close in two weeks, they lose their money. But they know that they can come to somebody like, like us and they can get that money in two weeks. And they're... They're, that same house, they might put a paint a coat on it and sell it to the first people we were just talking about for $200,000 more. That's the kind of borrower. And that's where you make the money, right? You make the money on the buy, but you, you, you are spending your time effectively deploying, executing, as opposed to underwriting. And so you're more underwriting the asset and the plan than the borrower themselves. I think you can look at an aggregate on a global level and say, is the is the borrower aces, but maybe isn't buying the best deal? Well, that's that's I I think I like that that deal. Yeah. Is the borrower new to the game and doesn't have the most um, liquidity to put down and the most resources, but has this unbelievable deal that I'm so jealous of, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe this guy's buying this property. I like that deal too. So right. I think I think with us different than a bank, and I say us, I think private lenders across the board. I, I don't know if we're really doing anything different than any other private lender out there. I think for us, it's just the only thing that makes us different is I just try to really do it as nice as humanly possible. So how do you stay up to date with you know the real estate industry and the trends and the values and what deals are making sense and what, you know, what are you, what are you doing to, to stay educated? I try to get a good night's sleep, which is in this uh-huh. environment is not always possible. Yeah. It, 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 we did uh, last quarter of 2022 was for, from a volume standpoint, like we all want to make a lot of money, right? So the more volume you do, the more money you make. Right. We had the best quarter that we ever had and that's great. But then sometimes, oof, did we write deals correctly? Uh, did we, um, is, is the deal that's great today terrible in six months? You know, I, how do you answer that? It, it's a tough one. I think this, I think you can just, whatever information you have today, this is for, I think, transcends into everything, whether you're a buyer, you're a lender, no matter what you're doing, you, you use the information you have today and you try to make the best decision you can. Otherwise, you live in fear. And then what happens is I call it a analysis paralysis. Yeah. Right. And, and I lived it in 2018. I stopped buying property. Do you know why? Because of fear. I thought it was a fear. And you know what happened? 
a bunch of guys came into the space who, who, who borrowed from me and they had never bought property before. And we had talked a little bit maybe before this podcast might have been off the air about how sometimes people can get jealous and they become a, yeah. a hater. I actually got a little jealous of these guys, but they're such, I love these guys. Well, we're friends, I think, outside of, of real estate. They bought a whole bunch of property in 18, 19, 20, to the point where I said, guys, you might want to slow down just a little bit. Well, what happened when inflation hit? They're, they were buying these large multifamilies in Western Mass, 10, 20, 50 unit buildings. We funded some of them. We funded them mostly as a bridge. Then they would go to Bank of New England yeah. or wherever and, and take it out. The, those properties are valued off a of cap rate, which is basically a function of what the rent and expenses are. Right. Inflation made some of the expenses go up, but a very small percentage. The water went up, the taxes went up a little bit, but the rents spiked and the ROI and the cap rate spiked and they sold off some of those properties. And on one of those deals, they sold the property. They didn't do much to that property in the two years they owned it. They sold it for over 2 million worth of pay for it. Wow. And I was living in fear at the time. So I think you just make the decisions and you don't let fear take you over and you just continue to stay the course and, and, and try what the information you have in front of you. Well, that's the beauty of real estate, I think, is, you know, when you talk to these really successful real estate investors, obviously, if the deals are there, right? So it's been super scarce uh, the last few years, but they're dollar cost averaging, you know, like, Maybe in 21, yeah, maybe I'm paying a premium, but I'm in for the long, Mike. I'm in for, you know, 10 years. I'm getting taken out by a conventional. We're bridging, we're getting in, which I love that value add that you have, right? The speed, bridge it, and then get out of it and, and get into the conventional. But, you know, they buy low, they're getting a discount. They buy high, they're paying a premium. They buy at par, they're they're buying at par, but they're in for the long. So, you know, it's it, when you talk to those career real estate investors doesn't matter what the market is i'm buying you know as long as it's a good buy it's a good buy today and then all of a sudden time flies and it just goes by so fast you get into the game you got one property that's great my goal is to have five you have five five fives for losers i need 10 you get 10 units i got to get to 20 next thing you know 10 years go by you got 80 90 units and what happens is you get a little bit of an equity most years. Most years, real estate goes up. It goes down sometimes too. But if you look at the 10 and 20 year mark, the real estate's always going up. Right. Every year you're paying the debt down. So even if you're cash, technically if you're cash flow neutral on a property, you're actually paying it down. You're getting depreciation. So whatever money that you make, you can depreciate that and save in taxes. And you look back in a 10 year period, you've gained all that equity. And most likely, your taxes, your insurance, your water bill, and your common heat have gone up a little bit, but the rents have gone up significantly more. If you're in our loan for six months and you're paying 12% and you own it for 30 years, big deal. It's cost of doing business to get right. into the asset. But if you look at the perm loan that you're in for 25, 30 years, depending if you have a commercial loan or not, and you the 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 rents go up exponentially significantly right. more than your expense. So the the real you know what I really like to talk about, I think is really sexy, is talking about financial freedom. 
And real estate can give you that financial freedom. My ideal borrower, and it's not because I want to lend to this person, it's because I like having conversations with these people, are people that are using real estate to achieve financial freedom. And that's what it did for me. And and I would love to help that other people, uh, you know, get on that path. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And it, it, it goes into such a bigger conversation, like at what point is somebody really feeling financially free, but I love the, the investment of real estate. I mean, it's been very good to me, you know, even during the struggles I started buying in 03, 04, 05, and had to get through some pretty heavy times. I was explaining to somebody uh, recently, I bought a four family in 04 and then utilized, you know, I think it was rich dad, poor dad. And I, uh, I knew that this person owned a bunch more, sent him a handwritten note. Is there anything else you want to sell? Bought a three family from him, not far away from it. And everything was going great, had decent management. It was, it was working. And then of course everything hits and the, uh, of the, of the seven units, six of them were, were being subsidized by one agency and they lost their funding in a way all at the same time. So six of my seven units were being, um, vacated and I had to now do all the cap X in, you know, some of the worst times of our economy can remember. And I remember having the conversation with my buddy. I'm like, what should I do here? Like, this is, this is going to kill me. And he's like, Mark, you know, any mistake that's made, not saying you made a mistake, Mark, but any mistake in real estate is, is cured with time. So if you hang on and you, and you grind through it, it will be great. And, you know, now we're sitting here in 2023, I still own both of those I have a massive amount of equity and I'm there spitting off a, a tremendous amount of, you know, monthly income and it's, and it's great. And it's so true that, and that's the one thing when people say, you know, what are you going to advise your kids to do is immediately, you know, we're already, I've got an 18 and 20 year old, I'm working on their credit right now and building up, you know, credit worthiness and we're, it gets buying, you know, first time home buyer, 21 years old, FHA, let's go, let's start into the game and and building your wealth through real estate because i mean i'm a i'm a prophet you know i i get up on the soapbox with real estate because it's been it's been i'm super grateful for it because it's been wonderful for me and my family too you know well you're an attorney and so you're probably really smart so it's great that you were able to leverage that i think there's a lot of people like myself who who never went didn't even graduate from college and you really, we had no choice. We had to, we had to get on to something. We had to latch on to something for us to achieve financial freedom. It wasn't going to be from getting a job that pays two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. It was going to be from entrepreneurship, yeah. which is a tough one to take on. And I think real estate has a pretty low barrier to entry for entrepreneurism. And you can use one or the other. You can be an entrepreneur. And then use your profits to buy real estate, or you can buy real estate, and then after five or ten years, leverage that to start whatever you know entrepreneur company that you want to start. Well, it's and it's not super complicated. That's that's the thing for entrepreneurs out there. You know, real estate, it's it's a numbers game. It's a spreadsheet, and and it's being a good person. You know, being an honest person and being transparent with. The people that you're dealing with, but and and having good management and having good teams, because at the end of the day, it's a spreadsheet. You know, what does the numbers work? Is the money going in and going out? Like really basic accounting stuff that 
you know, if you implement it correctly and you start talking about depreciation and then you start getting into 1031 exchanges and all of this, like it, it goes on and on. But to get in, it's like, I mean, basic math, really, truly. And it's, uh, you know, we encourage, we, we, we pilot, but there's such a fear factor to it too, because, you know, you got the movies like Pacific Heights and you hear the stories about, you know, occupants who are unwilling to move and they make your life a nightmare. And yeah, there's outliers and there's things like that, but you could prepare in advance for that, right? It's the folks that, you know, they don't do their background checks and they don't vet out their their guests that are going to be staying with them and they they don't paper it up correctly and security deposit and they're, they're doing things, you know, DIY, but doing it right. And it, it's, it's not rocket science, right? It's not rocket science. And um, if you just continue to grind, you'll be successful at it. And I had similar uh, problems that you had in 2000. I told you my net worth in 2008 was negative 750,000, yeah. which to me, if, if, if it was the other way around and I was positive 750,000, I would just be like, wow, that's such a, it was a big number back then, right? I mean, yeah. back then 750 was more than it is now. I'm like, wow. I mean, that was a really tough time for me. And I had to dig my way out, almost lost my properties, very close to losing my properties, had to work out. And the bank that I was almost worked out with ended up going on a business, I go to a different servicer and what a disaster. But I look back, those, believe it, those, when you have those catastrophic problems, they really, you come out the other side, hopefully you, you come out, you come out stronger, mentally stronger, you, you problems don't seem as big anymore. And there are so many positives. In fact, when I speak to incredibly successful people, the one common factor, I mean, all different facets of life is they've, they've gone through great adversity. Right. So don't fear it. Don't look forward to it. You can <laughs> if you want to, <laughs> but it's going to happen. And, and you should do everything you can that when it does happen to minimize the, you know, the impact of it so that you can not come out of it, um, you know, in a position where you're tied up for five or 10 years, right. you, hopefully. It builds resilience, right? That's what it comes down to. It's, it's not going to kill you. I can tell you that. There's nobody that has died from like losing real estate or making mistakes right. or getting sued by a tenant or having bullets go through the window or having... Uh, a dog from the tenant that there's no dogs in the leads bite the neighbor and get sued <laughs> from having the FBI break into the front door and then arrest the tenant. And then section eight won't even won't pay the rent, but they won't release us out of the lease. I'm speaking every one of those from experience, by the way. <laughs> like, I love, I love when people share experiences vulnerably because people can learn from it. And it's like, you're right. No, one's going to die. Like you look, one of our attorneys, Emmanuel Ebot on our team, you know, how do you always keep, such a, a level head when the, everything gets heated up at the table and he just looks around and he says no one's gonna die here today you know same kind of concept but i have a question for you mike so somebody um, comes to your uh comes to your aid right so they they come they work with you they've borrowed some money they've had successes and they go on the google machine and they actually want to put a review or they want to get on linkedin and give you an endorsement what is what does that sound like we have uh I, first of all, I am not the most uh, technically savvy guy out there, but we have uh, a Google page. It's really easy. I think most of us know how to do a Google review. That's pretty simple. That's all we have. 
We have a website. I'm not really all that happy with the website. It's okay. I have Instagram. We post once in a while. I post on LinkedIn. All of our business comes from a borrower that we have done everything humanly possible to give that borrower the best borrower experience. We can only control what we control. The borrower is buying property. It might go well. It might not go well. We can control the relationship between us as the lender and the borrower. And we want to give that borrower all the help, all the support that we can possibly give them. And those borrowers in return send friends of theirs, borrowers, acquaintances, people they meet to us. It's 100% organic. We're local. Uh, I'm from Quincy. Uh, my office is in Quincy. We we were in South Boston for a while. And um, and we've been doing it for since 2014. I was in the short sale. So I was in the business of real estate before that. It's just all word of mouth. That said, if you want to give us a review on Google, I, I would love it. So that's what it would be. They just took care of us. They were there when we needed them and they made it easy. They didn't make it difficult on us. The easy button. Boom. Transparent. I think um, fast answers. Um, actually caring and thinking about the borrower and thinking about, okay, there's a hundred different ways we can structure this deal. 20 of them we can't do because we have a fiduciary duty to our investors and it would be egregious for us to do those 20, even though those would be great for the borrower, we can't do them. Some of them might be bad for the borrower, but great for us financially. What can we do with a fiduciary duty to the tens of millions of dollars of retirement money that we have of people that have entrusted us with their money to lend it in a, in a, you know, a, a way that we're not going to lose their money, but do the, best we can to help the borrower and put them in the greatest position to succeed. You start by simply asking the borrower, what's your plan? What are your short-term goals? What's your long-term goals? What do you want to do? How can we help? Can we be a fit? We don't want to be dumb money. I don't want to just lend people money. Anybody can do that. I, I, I want to know what they want. I want to know what their goals are. And, and, I, and I really hope that for it to be a fit, that somehow we can help them achieve those goals. I love it. I love it. So, Mike, one thing that has happened here um, at Elements of Style is we've created kind of a network with the, the guests, right? So a lot of times I'll introduce Mike to, to Mike and say, hey, Mike, meet Mike. You both have something in common. You've both been on Elements of Styles. I want to actually get a networking meeting uh, group together and 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 socialize with all the guests because every week you're going to get the new episode now. Now that you've been part of it, you're going to get a email on I think Thursday that says, "Hey, Mike, you get it. You've been on it. Here's the next uh, episode of Elements of Styles." But when we get that group together, I want to have uh, karaoke be the central focus. So, Mike Garrity, you're you're next. You're up on stage. What are you singing? Uh, Lionel Richie, Tom Jones, uh, Toto. Anything, Which one? Anything. You gotta pick. You're up next. You gotta pick your. It's a basic. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm going. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. Oh, I love I it. I can't dude. sing, but I'll get up there. Wow, that was pretty good. And let me just say, I mean, the fact that you did that, you're one of under five who've actually sung on the show. Uh, and I and I love it. I, I totally love that. Now, most important question that I ask. Uh, of all of the questions is somebody wants to get in touch with you. Maybe they want to invest in your fund. 
maybe they uh, want to borrow to a bridge short term, what's the best way to get in touch with you? 617-908-0612. If I don't answer, text me or text me from the beginning and I'll get back to you and either myself, somebody from here will do with everything we can if it's a good fit to do whatever we can for you. And folks, don't freak out if you're on the treadmill in the show notes. We'll have it listed right there and you can click right through and call Mike directly on his cell phone. Mike, I appreciate you very much. I'm grateful for having you come here and share your knowledge and, and get to know you a little bit better, man. I, it was awesome. I loved it. I, I, it was great to talk to you and I appreciate it. Folks, this has been another exciting episode of Elements of Styles. If you laughed, and more importantly, if you learn something, but most importantly, if you think that there's somebody that Mike would need to talk to or that person would need to talk with Mike, share it with them. Share it with everybody if you really loved it. And we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitidal. Securitidal helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Securitidal, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.